Super Talk Mississippi media production. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Citizens Bank Studio right here on Biloxi's Back Bay, I want to welcome you to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate every single day all the amazing people who are working to make Mississippi such a special place to live, work, and play. But it's Friday on this show, and my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times begins with us, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a really dynamic week at the uh, Saints front office. But before we do that, let me say good morning to you, uh, Jeff. And have you been staying warm, my friend? <laughs> morning, Ricky. Yeah, I'm trying to stay warm, but I think we're kind of finally easing up into the 20s and 30s over here in New Orleans. And look, as you know, in the Gulf Coast, when it gets cold like this, it gets really cold because we've got such humid air uh, and the whole city is shut down. All my friends with kids were laughing because uh, school was out for two days one of them even said, I'm glad we're keeping our children safe from this sunshine outside. Uh, <laughs> it's a little snark. Uh, but anyway, yes, good good to hear from you. Well, listen, uh, we got we got, we got got some 20s coming tomorrow morning and then Sunday morning. And then we get, we get a little bit of a of a thaw that's coming, thank gosh. But this Arctic air, man, it's just something. I've been fighting to save my Queen Anne's. And uh, I won't know until I have an unveiling <laughs> sometime right. Sunday afternoon because obviously we kept everything covered and all the all the uh, lights and other stuff that I've done to try to save it. We'll start taking all that off on Sunday afternoon or at least Monday for sure. But uh, listen, uh, what I remember about New Orleans, uh, remember this really well. New Orleans has always been affected by weather, but especially cold weather. A lot of the homes, especially in the area where you live, actually, they're a little bit off the ground. So people are deeply concerned about busted pipes and all that kind of stuff. Um, you fare pretty well as it relates to that? Yeah. You know, it's funny. These homes, as you know, I mean, they're built to stay cool, not warm, because they're built for, you know, they're 100 years old back before they had air conditioning. So like you said, raised off the ground so air can flow underneath them. Very thin walls, not a lot of insulation, high ceilings to let the hot heat heat rise. So all of it's built for the summer and surviving here. So we're, they're just not built for this cold weather. They just stay cold the entire time. Uh, but I'm okay. Yeah, we're, we're good in uptown New Orleans. And, uh, you know, some, sometimes it's a little, it's not bad to have a little bit of a break from the heat and in, in the weather like this. But this is a little extreme for me. Well, listen, Jeff. You uh, you are among other things uh, among uh, you know being a, a celebrated columnist and journalist. You are on the NFL Hall of Fame selection committee, and you had a meeting this week. And while you were in the meeting, you did a you did a tweet that essentially said something's up, <laughs> something's about to happen. And uh, as I, I sent you a note shortly after that and said, man, the tweet heard around the world. Of course, uh, all of the media started to really center on the on the reality that something was up and clearly something was up. But it's hard. It's hard to be in an NFL Hall of Fame selection committee meeting and have to really you know, stay in touch with your sources and do all the things that you're doing. But I bet when you sent that that tweet out, you knew that it was going to create a bit of a firestorm. Yeah, actually, to be honest with you, I knew about it even before that. I, I'd heard, gotten wind of what was going, going down on Airline Drive. That's a Saints facility out in Metairie uh, on Tuesday. And, and look, it, it doesn't take a great reporting genius either. I mean, obviously, I have sources that 
that give me give me a you know lead on this. But the Saints coaches were all off last week. Uh, Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis met privately just among themselves. I thought that was interesting. Not with some of the other brain trust. It was just those two. And then the coaches were all going to be back in the building on Tuesday, one day after the holiday. So you knew any type of big decisions were going to happen on Tuesday. And I'd gotten wind, wind that there were going to be some big ones. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of known that, but I, I also knew that like once I sent that out, it was going to send up the flares and it did. It really did. Uh, it's been a dynamic week. Uh, uh, we can review for you know specifically what happened to the Saints as, as it relates to their offensive leadership, and there there was also a really important conference call. Excuse me, uh, um, uh, news availability, media availability with Mickey Loomis, where he stood and answered a lot of questions. He said a lot about his role and how he may have lowered the bar. Incidentally, what during that during that that news conference. He was chewing gum and smacking, and that was so hard to watch, man. I don't know if that bugged you, but it really bugged me. But why don't you kind of review for people the, the series of events? Well, I mean, Mickey Loomis does this every year, Ricky. I mean, it's his end-of-year kind of evaluation. He, he wants to do it after he meets with his head coach, so he has time to kind of really get to the nuts and bolts of maybe – what went wrong and, and make his own judgment. So there wasn't anything unusual about it. Uh, you know, he does it annually, but it was longer than normal. Normally it's about a half hour, 40 minutes. This one went an hour. So it just goes to show you just how many questions the local media had. And I thought he was pretty, pretty honest. He definitely came prepared. He knew he was going to have to answer some tough questions. He knew the media was going to be loaded for bear, if you will, after two straight disappointing seasons. And, uh, you know, I thought he was animated more than he normally is. And I think that's really a theme that I took away is him admitting that they've gotten a little complacent out on airline drive. I think that's significant. Uh, I think that's happened before. I think it's human nature. Uh, what is interesting to me is you, they're he's saying they got complacent, even though they missed the playoffs two years before this past year. Now, I could see you getting complacent after you've won for a few years, but to admit after missing the playoffs two years – that things got complacent. I don't think that's a good look for the front office or for the coaching staff or the players, frankly. But the thing that I think he was hit, hitting home on and what I've noticed in the fan base is there's been a division among a lot of fans. They either want to blame the coaches for everything or some of them want to blame the players for everything. And I think what Mickey is trying to create was a united front there. Look, everybody has to do better. It's not one or the other. It's everybody's fault. I think he's trying to deflect some of the blame away from his head coach and from the quarterback who seem to be the lightning rods for most of the criticism. And that's the way it works in the NFL. So those were my main takeaways from, from yesterday or, or Wednesday. Listen, uh, coming back to Carmichael, what's interesting is, um, of course, you have the initial wave of news that came out around Carmichael and the, the change and a couple of his assistants and another one moves on to a, another team. But you have this big shakeup that's happening on the offensive side. But then once that kind of the dust sort of settled on that news, what I saw is a lot of a lot of um, organizations. You you chatted with me about this when you when we uh, when we before we started the show have circled back to man Carmichael was here during some important times for this team. He's been there for the city. He's a he's a he's a absolute workaholic. Um, 
you know, he's been good for this city, and, and people need to reflect on that a bit, don't they? Yeah, look, I, you know, after I sent out a, a post on social media about him, you know, about let's not let's not forget this guy was here 18 years through some of the best through the best most successful tenure in the Saints organization's history. I mean, and he was a key part of it. And after I sent that out, Ricky, I'd say a half hour later, Sean Payton texted me and he said, just want you to know, I consider Pete Carmichael one of the five most important people in the building for our success during our 16-year run together. And that says a lot. And I think people need to recognize that. I mean, this is not just some, uh, you know, right, you know, you know, right-hand man I mean, he played a key role, and he was important. He's very highly respected by everybody. I mean, coaches, players, everybody respects Pete Carmichael. So I think it's just important to recognize that and and, and and to not get caught up in the noise and a lot of the social media stuff that goes on these days. Hey, so is there a chance that he'll be headed to Denver? Uh, I would not be surprised if he wants to. I think there's there's a little bit of a pull for him, I think, to stay here. Uh, you know, I know he's very happy here. His son's coaching over in, in East Texas as a baseball coach. Uh, they're kind of rooted here, I think. Uh, so I'm not saying he won't go somewhere, but it wouldn't surprise me if he took a year or so off and then got back into it. But there's no question he'd have a job with Sean Payton anytime he wants it. Sean thinks obviously very highly of him. You know, one of the, one of the sort of, um, I don't know, uh, a, a, a sort of a headline under all these headlines as it relates to the offense is just how much Derek Carr struggled with his health this year. I mean, he was beat up pretty good, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and look, I think that's something they're framing right now, and they're going to use that as a, you know kind of a qualifier. I personally don't buy into some of that. I, I think that's an excuse. I mean, when I watch – Derek Carr plays early in the season. I think he was struggling for other reasons. Now, obviously, the health hurt. There's no question it it, it affected him, but there was more to it than that. Uh, but he, look, by the end of the year, he was playing his best football. I'm sure he was healthier, but I also think he was just more comfortable in the system. I think he was more comfortable with the receivers he was working with. I think there was a lot of factors that went in there. They played an easier schedule toward the end of the year, too. So, um I think you, th there's reason to be optimistic about Derek Carr, but there's also reason to be, you know, a little hesita hesitant in that he's the solution there big time. I, I think there's a lot of questions on on Carr, especially now they're going to a new coordinator. When you look at this, when you look at the stats, um, he's a top ten quarterback, and is that good enough? Can he win the important games? Is he going to lose the ones that we should win? And there's a lot of a lot of questions yet to be answered. And of course, the biggest issue is going to be where are we headed? Are we going to are we going to solidify the current uh, offensive philosophy, you know, philosophy, or are we going to hire somebody from the outside and go in a different direction? You see that that Shanahan. McVeigh tree that you talk about. We'll talk more about that when we get on the other side. We'll see you when we continue our conversation with Jeff Duncan. and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. We have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And uh, he's the man when you want to talk about what's happening with the Saints. So they got a big decision to make. They've already begun to request interviews of other other teams. They look like they're headed, as you pointed out before we started the show, to the Shanahan-McVay uh, tree of philosophy. Do they go in a different direction or do they stay with the current philosophy? How do you see all this playing out? I really think it's wide open, Ricky. I don't think they know exactly where, where they're going. I think they want to do their due diligence, uh, open it up, interview a bunch of different candidates. Mickey Loomis made it clear they're not going to rush into this. It's an important hire. They want to get the right person. So I think it's smart to do what they're doing. They're going to talk to some people from the Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan kind of coaching tree, which has taken over the league. It's definitely the most popular offense in the league. It's been among the most successful offenses in the league. So it makes sense to do that. But I don't think it's necessarily cut and dry just because these are the guys they're interviewing right off the bat. That's the way they're going. I think they're going to see if they could marry that system maybe to the one they run or would they have to go completely to a new offensive system? Uh, will they just do their due diligence and then maybe promote from within if they feel like uh, someone like Ronald Curry could be promoted to take over that role and, and continue uh, what they're doing inside the building. Uh, that's what they did a year ago. I don't think people understand that like a year ago, they actually looked around for an offense coordinator as well. And uh, you know, it wasn't public, but they did it behind closed doors, made calls and surveyed the landscape. And they, they determined that their best option was in the building with sticking with Pete Carmichael. So it's not like they haven't looked around before and then stayed stayed with what they have. So I, I think it remains to be seen. That's exactly what Mickey Loomis said, too, uh, whether they go outside or, or promote from within. But, you know, Jeff, I can't help but remember, man. I, I may remember my impression, my impression when they promoted uh, Carmichael into that position. The, the thing that kept echoing in my head is the fact that he said he didn't want that position. And, you know, it's, it's almost like he knew that – He's bringing a lot, but he may not be able to bring what it's going to take for us to win. He's he sort of understood that, and he said that. So, well, I don't yeah. know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he ever said that publicly. Yeah. I mean, I, I I reported that as yeah. a columnist. That, and I think he was hesitant, not because he didn't think he could do it. I think he was hesitant because he was comfortable in the role he was in. Uh, you know, you know, like I talked about before, personally. His, he, he, they become empty nesters to some degree. Uh, you know, they have a, a house over on 30A. Uh, you know, he, he knew he was comfortable and he knew how rare it was to be in one place as an NFL coach for 16, 18 years. It just doesn't happen. And he valued that. He's the son of a coach. So he understands the coaching life. And I think he was fine being in the role he was in. But I don't think he doubted he could do it. I just think he, he wanted to stay in. Because he knew that there's a possibility that if he got into this higher profile position, that it could end up exactly how it ended up. It, it's, it reminds me a little bit of my brother. My brother works in TV, never became the news director. He was comfortable being the assignment editor his entire career. So some people, I think, just have different goals and aspirations and, and values. And I'll, I think Pete fits in the role he was in. And so, yeah. um, you know, I understand it. And um, I expect him to land somewhere if he wants to keep coaching pretty quickly because he's highly respected. So when you uh, when you you sort of finish an analysis of the the offense performance this year, 
uh, I don't I don't care who you read, uh, and obviously in my conversations with you, this is something that's incredibly important. But man, they they've got to focus on the offensive line. They've got to get protection. They've got to improve the running game. Uh, is that where it starts? Yeah, well, there's no question. I think they need a, a lot of things on offense. I think they could use, you know, an elite, another elite running back. I think they could use another elite receiver. Uh, but the line is because of the miss on Trevor Pinning, and and they're, they're obviously going to try and do some rehab on him in the offseason, uh, salvage his career. But uh, they've got to get better at tackle. Uh, you know, you don't know what the situation is with Ryan Ramchek. Mickey did allude to sound positive on Ryan Ramchek, maybe that he will continue playing. But still, the chronic condition of his knee, uh, you have to have some kind of fallback. Yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. So you, you would expect, uh, whether through free agency or the draft, to be some pretty serious attention to, uh, to to the offense, but I mean, certainly to the offense, but also the offensive line. But you know, they they tend to you know they tend to 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 look at the best player that's available at the time, and and uh, and they've done pretty well doing that in the past. So it's going to be a di- dynamic offseason, isn't it? Well, it could be even more dynamic if if uh, Jeff Ireland leaves. I mean, he interviewed this week with the Los Angeles Chargers. I think he's very high on their candidate list to be the general manager. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that uh, Jim Harbaugh might leave Michigan to go there, and he could uh, hook up with uh, Jeff Ireland to run that team. Uh, so if they lose Jeff Ireland, Jeff Ireland's one of the best personnel executives in the league. I know a lot of fans are upset because – Trevor Pinning pick didn't hasn't panned out and Peyton Turner hasn't panned out, but trust me, Jeff Ireland would be a massive loss for the organization. I mean, he is he's as good as it gets, and uh, they've got some good can- young candidates in the building, but uh, Jeff Ireland's the one with skins on the wall. Well, we've mentioned we've mentioned his name a lot, a lot, a lot. He was the one guy we didn't want to lose, but the reality was that um, it, what what I'm curious about actually is. Does he aspire to be a general manager? Is that that what he sees his career track as? Yes, yeah, he definitely wants to run run a show again, especially something like the Chargers. That's a very good job. You've got an elite quarterback. Some some NFL people tell you, Ricky, that Justin Herbert might be the most talented, physically gifted quarterback in the league. So that's going to attract a lot of top coaches and general managers because they think they can build around that. You have to have that in the NFL. They got the hardest thing to acquire in, in LA. So uh, definitely I think a job like that would be attractive to him. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've noticed on, on, on X that uh hardball name in sports has trended on and off for the past week or so. Um, there's, there's a good chance he's going to, he's going to go to the professional ranks, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think Michigan's trying to keep him. Obviously they've got unlimited resources at the university of Michigan and that's his alma mater, but there's, Probably a part of him also that would love to get back to the NFL and win a Super Bowl. Uh, very few coaches, if any, I don't even know, have ever won a, a, a Super Bowl and a national championship. So that would be part of his legacy. You know, he played in the NFL, obviously coached in the NFL at a high level. So we'll have to. That's one to watch. I mean, it's going to be a, a crazy offseason in the coaching world with losing icons like Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick and great coaches like Mike Vrabel on the market. We see the Falcons have already interviewed Harbaugh and Belichick. I know Saints fans are going to have their eye on that. There's just a lot going on. It's going to be fun to watch. Wow. I, it's interesting. I, you think Belichick's going to be a head coach again? 
Oh, no question he is. He wants to win uh, enough games to break Don Shula's record. I think he's about 20-something short, so about a year and a half, two years. Uh, I think he's definitely going for that record. He's going to go somewhere where he can win. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he's going to go into some rebuilding job, but it's tricky when you bring in Bill Belichick. I mean, he's used to running the show. He wants all the power, and he can command that from his track record. So it's going to take the right fit and the right owner to bring him into the building. Hey, man, I can't help but say this. You know, early in the season when we blew a couple of games, we should have won. Literally should have won. Watching the game between Tampa Bay and, and Philadelphia, with the with imagining if that were the Saints in that same position, Saints would have won that game. No question. So Saints had some momentum. I don't know. I'm not saying they could go all the way, but my goodness, it was it was uh God, we came so close, didn't we, buddy? It would have been a one and done in my opinion, but it would have been one nice win and it certainly would have enhanced the resume of Dennis Allen, probably helped with his uh, approval rating in the fan base. Uh, but look, that's what Mickey Loomis said this week. They've just got to win. I mean, fans are upset. It's been three years. But this is kind of the growing pains you go through after you lose a head coach like Sean Payton and a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, you just look historically. It's it's across the, the, the annals of the NFL. Almost always you drop off three to four wins a year when you lose a Hall of Fame quarterback like Breeze. So it's not uncommon. It just shows you how hard it is to do what they did. And that's why I, I really believe – Jerry Jones made the right move. And I'm a Mike McCarthy kind of supporter. I, I know him from his time here, but he won 12 games three years in a row. That's hard to do. Uh, you know, that's very difficult. So I think it's smart. You've got a guy in place that knows how to win. Now let's see if collectively they can figure out what's going on in the postseason. It is amazing. You look at Philadelphia, look at Dallas. Some of the best teams can, can still lose chemistry, can still sputter. Yeah, it uh, happened in New Orleans. I mean, what about that year a few years ago? Was it 2019? The Saints had the Vikings at home. You know, a, just a mediocre Vikings team, and the Saints lost at home. Uh, you know, they lost three games, the Saints did, in the playoffs where they were at home and favored. So yeah. it's it's hard. It's very hard in the postseason. We had a little help in losing those games, though. <laughs> I'll never well, forget. I don't think you had help losing to the Bucks. You know, yeah, when Tom Brady that's true. won. I mean, you know, the the Vikings game, they got beat. I mean, they had a better yeah. game plan. So like, and then you go to Minnesota and you blow a tackle at the end of the game. That's still like, I, when I watch that, the Minnesota miracle, I'm still. Dumbfounded. I, I know. I'm, hey, listen, uh, we're at the end of our time together, but sign up for the for the SaintsNola.com newsletter. You'll be glad you did. Follow Jeff Duncan on uh, X. You'll be glad you did that as well. And until uh, next week, my friend, have a great week and uh, stay tuned. Yeah, and stay warm. I'll talk to you then, Ricky. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Hey, listen, when we come back, Cynthia Sutton from the Ocean Springs Chamber is going to be joining me. We'll see you after this. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.